First time in this part of D7 for a while. Um, one of my favorite mass cafes. <laughs> nearby. You really need to work on that Vietnamese pronunciation, I think. <laughs> was it as good for you, Andy, as it was for me? <laughs> it was sloppy. Oh, <laughs> oh dear. <laughs> well, Mel, if you'd been there, you would have witnessed two blokes inhale a couple of bun mees in no time uh-huh. flat. Um, the only things I've ever seen go down quicker than that on Bui Vien Street are the the Um Hello and welcome to the Bureau Podcast. I'm Matt Cowan, the Bureau Chief and your host, coming to you from a somewhat different Ho Chi Minh City than we've been experiencing these past few months. The streets are tentatively opening up and so are the heavens. We've had a little bit more rain this week in what has been an unusual monsoon season here down south. I can't remember one that's been so late and so dry. Hold the gags, guys. Uh, What does that mean? And what does it mean for our already strained Mekong Delta, the rice basket of the nation, located just south of here? I guess only time will tell. On the show today, as usual, we're going to try and jam way too much into it, much like my mouth yesterday when I caught up with Andy Tran for what could be best described as a mandate. If our social media is anything to go by, what have I turned into? It wasn't planned that way at all, I swear. So I'd best clarify one thing before I move on. What I mean by filling my mouth with Andy is not what you're thinking, Mel. Okay, I what trust I, you. What I mean is that we shared a delicious bun me lunch together, our first in a very long time. And I'm happy to report it was a knockout, but more on that in a moment when Andy pulls up a mic. As I mentioned before I got sidetracked, on the show today we do our usual COVID wrap and give a brief overview of life in Vietnam's best city, followed by a segment I've called Fact or Fiction, in which we decide whether things about Ho Chi Minh City at the moment are fact or fiction and so on. Don't worry, I'll explain in a bit. Following that, we held another sneaky poll on the Bureau socials this week. Ooh, we do love a good poll. This time about Vietnamese stereotypes. Yep, we threw that old chestnut out there and more, so hang around for that. It should make for some entertaining listening. Although someone is bound to offend someone at some time. So there's my snowflake warning. Now from one nut to a different kind of nut, and I say that in the nicest possible way, if that's at all possible, I mean nothing by it. I'm talking about the Bureau's content manager, Melanie Kasul. How are you, Mel? Hey, I'm good. All things are, you know, let's say tentative, quote unquote. I've managed to walk a few kilometers to the wet market uh, looking for some fresh coconut milk. Um, while we're in the subject of nuts, actually, but no such 
luck yet. Now, Mel, I'm not quite mm-hmm. sure why we're talking about nuts we, right now. That's, you said chestnut, then I said coconut. Ah, okay. okay so. well, well, yeah, I guess that's how this show rolls, I <laughs> guess. Um, but I'll ask you anyway, mm-hmm. if you were a nut, what kind would you be? Ah, easy. I've had a brand name since I was born. I'm a cashew nut. Oh, where's that wah, wah, wah? I should have had that in there. Melanie um, Cashew. But cashew I'd imagine nut. you are a tough one to crack. Uh, yep, I am. <laughs> anyway, enough of those jokes. Uh, now, for the first time ever in the same room, Woo-hoo! right here next to us is co-host Andy Chan. How are you, Andy? Woohoo! First time in this part of D7 for a while. Um, one of my favourite mass cafes. <laughs> nearby. You really need to work on that Vietnamese pronunciation, I think. <laughs> hey, they should have a s- slogan though. Like, yeah. Plum, I know I know how to say it properly, but like, it should be like, Plum, go hard or go home. Or <laughs> Plum, no short times. You know. Okay, not bad. You're working pretty well. You've been no working on that. Yeah. You, know, you know, they just opened one, uh, like a franchise one recently. Where? In America. Oh. They wow. launched the first one. Yeah, apparently lineups were crazy. It was like the lineups would be like the equivalent of when McDonald's opened here in Vietnam. Wow. wow. That's amazing. Yeah. So there's obviously a market for it there. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of Vietnamese people, yeah. especially like SoCal area. Mm. Yeah. yeah. And do you see it opening in Australia? Maybe. Yeah. Melbourne people, you Pretty know how tricky they are. market, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. yeah. It's we, a robusta. Like, I, I think Australians, yeah. don't, Australians don't like that robusta flavor. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I think we sent Starbucks packing, didn't we? They, they came yeah. out and- you, you still have yeah. Starbucks in Australia Starbucks. though. I think there's yeah. one in Brizzy. Wow. Yeah. I mean, it's not as big as it used to be. It used to be mm. everywhere now. Yeah, like right. Wow. It's down quite a lot. That's interesting. There's a Highlands coffee in the Philippines. Oh, right. Really? Yeah. Okay. Any go. good? Yeah, it's next to Jollibee. Everything's good next to Jollibee. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, speaking of nuts, Andy. <laughs> I like to bust one. If your, that's <laughs> your new haircut is looking sharp. Schmick. Shame about the mo. I know. But, but keep trying. Man. I know. I know. Okay. For, uh, for anyone who's listening, I've been uh, working on this since June 15th. <laughs> can you believe that? We'll have to post a photo of it just so people can get an idea of uh, you know, how piss weak it is. Yeah. But you know what's funny? Like every time you go to a barbershop, there's two things that, that you end up noticing. The first one being the gray hairs that right. suddenly yeah. come up. Yeah. And then the second one is that receding hairline that you're getting, you know, the tie <laughs> is moving back. Look, I didn't want to say something the yeah. other day, but you did. Uh, yeah, I know. Oh, did. <laughs> I couldn't help it. On yeah. live as well. Yeah. And, well, you need these victories. I mean, you're at least 10 years younger than me, so it was an opportunity. <laughs> I spotted it and I moved in. It's okay. Yeah. Plus you're in the barber's chair all, all strapped in, so you couldn't get me. You couldn't exactly get out and chase me around the barbershop. Are we talking about your foreheads? <laughs> Yes. <laughs> but, you know, the other one you're talking about is receding. Um, anyway, hey, guys, it's been a big week in content for us. Of course, uh, I'm fresh off our good friend Petey Magic's The Pretty Late Show last night. He live streams every Friday wow. night with DJ Pat Cabrera. You've arrived. Yeah, and they have a special guest on each week. This week was extra special. It was me. Um, I'm a bit special. Andy, uh, you watched it. I saw afterwards that you'd asked a few questions and they didn't get answered. I know. So now's your chance. Fire well, away. Well, Tim Tams, I mean, why don't you rate them? What's wrong with you? Uh, yeah, I've... <laughs> Yeah, I love Tim Tams. Of all the uh, questions that they asked me, 
this one is your yeah is the one that yeah. you know you yeah okay Beaked our interests yeah um I don't know I've never really been that into them and I don't I'm not that keen on the what do you call it the little creamy bit in the middle that everyone loves uh, the, the filling the filling yeah, yeah the sort of little fill yeah That's the I don't, best part mm. I'm I'm just not I eat them. Don't get me wrong. If you've yeah. ever got them at your place, bring them out. <laughs> but, um, like I said last night, I think I like the teddy bears better. Uh, and uh, uh, remember the mint slices? Yeah, they're still around. They were good. Yeah. There's know, one so, that's yeah. like politically incorrect, Chico's. It's like this uh, yeah. little oh, yeah, the gummy chocolate, one, chocolate mm. and it's shaped like Chico a babies. Yeah, mm. little kid. I think they've changed the name though. No, but yeah, they still it? it's oh. still called Chico's here. Oh, okay. Yeah, Chico oh, right. babies, yeah. Yeah, well it doesn't matter in Vietnam, does it, I suppose? <laughs> There's a lot of politically incorrect things that happen. What about um, Monte Carlos? Do you like do you like them? Yeah, I think my grandma liked those. Ah. I think they're a bit of a for tea tea for drinkers, tea, yeah. I think I think they're into Breaking those. Half. Yeah, so um Andy's talking about the segment on the show where it was overrated or underrated, and I think I overrated Tim Tams. Tams. Mm. Uh, what, what else did you overrate well, that Andy, what Andy disagrees what, what's, with? What's, uh, you know, burning at the moment, Andy? Well, there's a few. Uh, <laughs> there's a few, but, you All know, right. like, I don't, don't want to take it too long, but there is one thing that I didn't know, that you were a, a darts champion. Oh, well. 180! <laughs> uh, did I come across as though I was a darts champion? Well, I, I, I haven't actually. <laughs> technically... <laughs> Technically, I haven't really won anything. Um, showing up was that's was the, that's one the of the victory. Yeah, that yeah. that was a victory, and making it home alive after a darts night out that was the, that was the next one. Or getting um, in the door after we, a darts yeah. and getting back in I, the house. I've got to say though <laughs> um, that you know I held my own and I got the team across the line a few times. What, what, what was your technique? Was it like a left-handed? Okay, I'm Were a left-hander. Uh, depended on how long the games went on for, like, you know, I, in many, like in many aspects of my life, I start out full on and then just sort of fade away at the Uh. end. So, um, (laughs) yeah, those nights would go on. Of course, um, you generally play with either a beer in in hand or, um, there's always a bottle of whiskey on the table so in, be- in, beta- yeah. in between matches that, yeah, you'd get stuck into that. So, uh, yeah, the, the last match of the evening was always the team event and it just, it would go on forever. Do you have your uniforms? Yeah, we did. Yeah. We did. Bowling shirts? Uh, well, the first year we had something similar to a bowling shirt. Mm. Yeah. Uh, cheap, cheap sort of one. And then after that we'd have uh, polo tops. Yeah, and one of your one of the team members, he he worked at a textile factory, so they were always. And you haven't asked me what the name of the team was. Oh yeah, yeah. What was the name? The Pricks. Ah. Triple X. Yeah, Triple X. Yeah, but then Triple X. You changed the name when you changed the the bar home Baz. Oh yeah, we we sort of morphed into as players came and went and that sort of thing. The Mm. and the home base. The Pricks kind of disbanded. Um, it got a new name made up of sort of other team, uh, other players from different teams. Yeah. So, uh, but the Bricks had a good run. We had a pretty good run. We, I think we made it into first division eventually. So, yeah. So, yeah. so you guys had a home. Uh, yeah, like a you home have a home bar. bar. So every yeah. second week you, you play at your home bar. Uh, and then. Um, did you ever, you know, did a LeBron James and take your talents to, you know, the south side of Saigon or anything like that? <laughs> God, who got? Well, See, this is a, this is a term that Matt learned from me. It's a Filipino word. It's called hugot, 
and that means in Filipino that you don't really belong to this team. Yeah, it's like a, a ring in. Yeah, uh, a ring in. Yeah. And so, look, yep. the Filipino teams in this dart league, they're always like champions, they're always, always good. division yep. one, yep. but that's not because it's always an honest play. Sorry, guys, but Oof. you know, that's the truth. Fighting There's always words. these who gots, you know, people who don't really belong to that team, but then they just bring it. Bring yeah. a ringer. Suddenly someone yeah. from the province has turned up home and, <laughs> and they happen to be a gun, you know. Um, but the furthest we used to travel was over to D2 to play. That was that was a bit tricky at times. Despite the floods. No one right? ever wanted to come to District 7 and play. Yeah. So we had a home, home board advantage there really. No one wanted to be in District 7. So you we went by default? Sometimes a lot. Well, <laughs> no, we used to – no one really – uh, pulled out, yeah, forfeited, yeah, because yeah, everyone was keen to get out and have a drink. Yeah. <laughs> but it was always on a Tuesday night, so oh, that, you yeah. know, it was also, also like a school night, basically. Yeah. So yeah. it kind of ended either yep. really early or really late. Yep. Anyway, if you're interested in my darts uh, career, just message <laughs> me and I'll tell you all about it. Um, have you got any more questions from last night? No. Uh, no, all good. Richie okay. had some though. We are. Oh we yeah, are, Richie was into it. We are big fans. Yeah. Yeah. I, f- I felt for Richie. Richie. Uh, I was answering Richie on the oh, comments. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Cool. Okay. So I had at least three people watching me last night. <laughs> now, as I mentioned in the intro, Andy and I shared a few moments together yesterday. We went and had a barbershop experience and then we went and grabbed a bun me and ate them on Boivine Street. Was it as good for you, Andy, as it was for me? <laughs> it was sloppy. Oh, <laughs> oh dear. That no, was good. Um, they packed it in though, right? Oh, yeah. yeah this, about 48K. It's yeah, nice. At, uh, at Huinhua. Yep. Right. It's huge. It's yeah. almost like a foot long. Boys loved you over there. Which boys? The, I don't know. You, you said something and they, were, they just kept repeating it and they laughed. At you. Oh, right. Yeah. I, I think no they, chili they were taking the piss out of my Vietnamese. So, uh, <laughs> Is I, this the best banh mi in town that we were talking about a few episodes yeah, before? Well, actually, that's a good question. Do you reckon it is the best one in I town? I think so. It's the one in Le Thi Ring, right? Yeah. 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 Around there. Yep. Yeah, it's okay. I, I, I think because I think we, we all just knew where to go. Yeah. Think, yeah, we'll just like, yeah. we're hungry. And open. quick. Yeah. Like we pulled up mm. and the, the line was there as usual. Mm-hmm. And before we knew it, we had the, the bun me yeah. ready great. to go. That's good. Yeah. Well, Mel, if you'd been there, you would have witnessed two blokes inhale a couple of bun me's in no time uh-huh. flat. Um, the only things I've ever seen go down quicker than that on Bouyvien Street are the <laughs> the <laughs> there. Um <laughs> Hey, just out of curiosity, have you guys ever had any unusual types of experiences at salons or barbershops in Ho Chi Minh City? Or bun me shops, for that matter. <laughs> <laughs> no, nothing unusual for me. I mean, I actually oh, get you're so some legit. cool ones. You're, yeah. you're legit, mm. aren't you? Yeah. Uh, I come in, I go in, I ask for what I want, which is pretty simple. It's pretty hard to mess up. And then, you know, other than breaking out a whiskey or just some food service. That's what was missing mm. at the barbershop. I think they... I, I forgot to mention this in our review, which is going to be on YouTube uh, sometime during the week, by the way. So go to the awesome. Bureau Asia YouTube channel and you'll find our review Stop of that. this place. But No VIP, huh? No oh, VIP treatment. Yeah, there wasn't real. It's a bit of an in and out place in a way, isn't it? Yeah. You wouldn't go there for a couple of hours okay. and, and, and hang relax. out. But uh, yeah, definitely go to uh, our YouTube channel and we'll tell you all about it. But yes, they should have a whiskey or at least a coffee. 
Yeah. Yeah. I well, that- every time I go into a salon, whatever price point it is, the the the, the ladies they go, "Would you like some hot tea?" I mean, I think right. that's just stock standard when yeah. you enter into a Vietnamese establishment. Is there's a hot tea or mm. a cold tea? Yeah, but for me, I have to your question, I have no bad experiences, but you know, nothing that would be considered "quote unquote" unusual for the price I paid. Right. You know. <laughs> so. But uh, what's that range? What range of prices? Well, is- look. For my haircut, okay, and I'm oh, no, opening the can of worms. Here. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, look, my hair is really wiry and thick, so I'm not going to have that hairline problem that the both of you have. <laughs> but I'm, you know, it's so hard to find a proper hairdresser to do my hair, and I've only found one. And obviously, she's in District Seven. She's been here right. since 2007. But she charges an arm and a leg. It's like almost 500000 She charges per arm and leg? <laughs> Every time I go there. But, but it costs me a fortune. Yeah. <laughs> I, I cannot not go to her because she's the only one that can style me. So 500K? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. With a tip. With a tip okay. already. Yeah, you tip pretty hard, Matt. Oh, well, you make me bad. Like, you make me feel bad. Well, that was the whole idea behind it, (laughs) really, to be honest. I'm usually a tight ass. Yeah, you're inflating the prices for it. Now they're expecting, like, tips for foreigners to be, like... I walked out of that place the other day looking like a legend. They love me, you know. Uh, Andy, they're like, yeah, get out of here. Uh, Anyway, uh, be sure to check out our barbershop experience on the Bureau Asia's YouTube channel. When I get round to editing it, um, it should be midweek. I might even actually premiere it because it's kind of fun. Yeah. yeah you know, we can it. round up a little bit of a crowd and, and hopefully get a few, well, guys, because it's a barbershop mm. watching. You can, uh, uh, you can say it's almost a clean cut. <laughs> get it? <laughs> clean, anyway. Well, it would be an understatement to say that things move quickly here when it comes to COVID-19. Want your toilet unblocked? Sorry, please wait till Monday. When will the borders be open after the biggest pandemic the world has ever seen? Uh, Probably Monday too. But seriously, just a couple of weeks ago, we were wondering if we were ever going to come out of one of the world's hardest lockdowns anytime soon. And then, hey, presto, anyone with two jabs or has had COVID-19 and can prove it, can now move freely from district to district in Ho Chi Minh City. As mentioned in the intro, Andy and I were able to travel between districts yesterday with no problems. Mm. It was good. I mean, how, how did you find the traffic between? Like, yeah, it was, it was pretty sort of mid-range, I reckon, pretty mm. light. It was the middle of the day too. It was afternoon, I think, by the time we sort of finished and it was, up. Was so. it raining too, right? There was a little bit of rain earlier. Start, yeah. yeah, but not too bad. But you still had to concentrate a little bit. It, it was quite mm. busy. Now, before we get into what it's actually like in Ho Chi Minh City at the moment, let me provide a snapshot of the current situation. According to VN Express yesterday, one of Vietnam's largest news sites, Thursday saw 4,147 new daily cases. To give you an idea of how much that's changed, last week on the show, we reported that there had been 8,744 cases. We also reported last week that the seven-day average of daily new cases over the preceding 28 days was 8,622. As it stood yesterday afternoon, that number is down to 5,147. Meanwhile, the number of local cases continues to go up, which as of yesterday afternoon was a tick over 820,000. 
guys, all of the key indicators are in decline, suggesting that we're getting on top of this. So much so that there are rumours, and I'm not sure if it's been confirmed yet, that bars and restaurants will open in District 7 tomorrow, Sunday, October 10. Woohoo! <laughs> Someone's excited. Obviously, there will be some key provisos in place like seating numbers, vaccination status, etc. Mel. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, I've seen that most of my Ho Chi Minh City contacts, they have gotten the second jab and they're mm. ready and raring to go. One of my good friends was like the first customers at Starbucks <laughs> over here <laughs> in, in District 7 when it opened. But I think it's going to be a slow burn, though. Like, um, you know, the cafes and restaurants are still posting on their social media, you know, these restrictions, right. uh, times that they're open. So it's not like, you know, um, eight hours, 12 hours uh, a day. And the other day I went to Vivo City, which is uh, one of the big malls here in District 7. And the grocery store wasn't fully stocked. And it's actually two levels. And there were only four cashiers on the one level that was open. And then most of the lights in the dry goods area, the ones that are not essential, they were like closed, like no lights at all. As I mentioned, Starbucks was open. McDonald's was also open. Oh. Yeah, but mostly for pickup delivery. Hmm. So there was like no seating inside. But oddly enough, uh, the jewelry, mobile phone, fashion shoes, and sports gear stores Phew. are back in operation. Like three salespeople inside and a cashier. So to me, that's like super back to normal for mm. for these non-essential things which i found really odd but yeah i so mean jewelry you're admitting jewelry is not essential <laughs> wow i got you on that one <laughs> all right okay <laughs> but the best indicator really uh that things are going back to normal is take a look at the features and functions of your food delivery and share writing apps that were missing or unclickable during oh. the lockdown. Oh, okay. And if they're back on, you know, I base my day-to-day -day life with these apps, even if I don't intend to use them. Oh, I just, that's not bad. So they're, yeah. they're kind of ahead of the game. They yeah. know when things are really starting to open up. So. Yeah. Oh. So like, you know, if the car function is back on, then you know, it's, it's back on. And then all the, the favorite restaurants that we go to, if they are clickable again on the app, then they're most likely going to be open to welcome you through their brick and mortar stores. There you go. Mobile marketing flourishing yeah, during the I new like normal. It. That's a good pickup. I like yeah. it a lot. Um, Andy, you were able to get out and about yesterday a little bit with me. What did you notice about things? You know what I noticed? I noticed... Uh, it's only half loud in terms of traffic. <laughs> yeah. So traffic isn't bad. Um, still cafes and little eateries are still shut. Yeah. Like takeout only. Everyone knows that. Um, but I definitely recommend for anyone who's living in Vietnam who, quote unquote, don't ride because whatever mm. reason they're scared, they don't know, all this kind of stuff. It is the perfect time to learn how to ride right now. Yeah. <gasps> good point. There's Matt? enough traffic. Yeah. Matt? No, you're not. <laughs> and I'm not teaching you. Oh. Yeah, but there's enough traffic, the space, it's, it's perfect. But I think um, it just feels a bit funny at first, right? Because yeah. you're, you're riding at first and, and there's not much, um, but then 
<laughs> so you're like, you're trained as a defensive rider and yeah. now there's nothing to defend against yeah. and you're like, Ooh, what's yeah. happening? Exactly. Yeah, it's a bit like that. It's a bit of space now. Yeah, mm. that struck me as well. Um, it felt a bit odd getting back on the motorbike and driving around on the streets and they were familiar streets, but they just looked different. You know, I felt a bit out of place there. Um, the other one was just how depressing things kind of feel at the moment. Um, I think I think it was the weather. Yeah. It rained a little bit, a little bit cloudy and mm. grey. Businesses shuttered. Yeah. So it all sort of contributed to that overall sort of depressing feeling. Mm. Um, although the city's super clean. Yeah, really? and it's had an opportunity to wow. to uh, have all the rubbish cleared away, and uh, you know, obviously the rain washes things away. So it's it's super clean at the yeah. moment. I think it's the cleanest I've ever seen it. Yep. I think also when you said the shutters are down, another thing that's kind of depressing is that there's graffiti like mm. on those shut on those yeah. like steel. What do you mm. call those things that go down? The roller doors. Yeah, the roller doors. So when the shops are down. It's like full yep. of graffiti and that makes you it depressing. You know, that, that phenomenon's quite new in Ho Chi Minh City. Tagging. You know, probably five or so years ago, you would have been hard-pressed to find graffiti around but it's Ho Chi not, Minh City. it's not paintings. It's just tagging. Yeah, there's a lot of tagging these yeah. days. But Gang you, signs. Yeah, you'll see, um, <laughs> you'll see long stretches of, of tagging yeah. on, on shot. Anywhere seems to be, you know... I blame rap free for all. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And that uh, polar bear thing that's everywhere what winking. There's a, there's a crying bear. Know, there's a, oh. Yeah. Crying mm. bear. You've never noticed it? No. Oh, I, oh you will now. Yeah. Around. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, so I mentioned that we stopped by uh, Huyn Hua for a bun me. And then across the street, there's a little uh, coffee shop. I think it's called Bros. Mm. Wasn't it, Andy? Oh, was it perfect bros? for your bromance date. Yeah, huh? that's right. Um, and we grabbed a cafe sudar there. And uh, as I said earlier, we went back to Buivin Street. Now, for anyone not familiar with Ho Chi Minh City, Buivin Street is or was the epicenter of the backpacker neighborhood here in Ho Chi Minh City. You might have heard Pham Nu Lao mentioned a number of times on this podcast or elsewhere. Quite often the area is simply referred to as Pham Nu Lao and the Buivin Strip in recent years has been converted into a walking street where on weekends the streets closed off to traffic and let's call them revelers. They take it over, the bars and restaurants spill out onto the street and seemingly anything goes along there. Mm, including uh, shenanigans. Yeah, lots of stuff goes on. Uh, super famous place in Ho Chi Minh City. And so you can imagine the area is pumping in so-called normal times, but these days it's a mere shadow of its former self, sadly or not. So much so that fruit and veggie stalls have sprouted up along the street so that people in the area can muster up some kind of income while there aren't any travellers passing through. Andy, how did you find it? What were your impressions? Yeah, definitely. It was much, much more quiet than usual. Yeah, and like you said, I, I didn't know they started selling fruits. They started pivoting to selling fruits, which yeah. is kind of cool. Yep. Um, but always strange to kind of walk through Bouvian uh, during the day, uh, yep. pr- even during pre-COVID days. Yeah, true. It's it's like night and day. Yeah. It's, they're so different. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, I hope it doesn't go down like King's Cross, like on Darlinghurst Street, mm. you know, the once the party street of Sydney now. Yep. Where, you know, when you go to Macca's, it's a lineup, like 10 deep. 
you know, mm. just to get a cheeseburger. But right. now, like, there's hardly anyone there. But I guess the question to you guys is, you know, what what was when did Bouvier become like you know that backpacker kind of central oh. joint? It's, I think it's always been like that since I've, you know, since I've landed here in Vietnam all those yep. years ago, like at least, yeah, in 2000, <laughs> I'm revealing my, my age here now, 2005, 2006, yeah, yep. that, it, it was still there. Wow. Yeah, it was definitely there in 99 when I was here, mm. really? I was backpacking and I spent one night here in Ho Chi Minh City and that's where they took us. No way. Mm. So I can't really remember too much about that trip and I can't remember where I stayed and I didn't venture far because it was the very end of my Mm. trip. So I can't really tell you how big it was at that stage and how popular. But um, in the, what, decade or more that I've been here, that street boy Vin has just exploded. And uh, they never used to come out onto the street. Now that's new. Well, the walking yeah. street's new yeah. and, um, yeah, th- these days they'll bring the chairs out from the bars and the, and the restaurants yeah. um, and people are actually literally sitting on the street on the little plastic stools and that never used to happen. Yeah, oh, but it's yeah. always been there, you know, if um, like in the early days when I was here, there was like a curfew. So it's not only in Hanoi. So there would be like a 10, 30, 11 curfew, yep. but then... If you still wanted to party, you, you went to go to. What's and go to? That's at the corner wow. near Andy, the. You've got oh, wow. A lot to learn. <laughs> so. Your go to cherry yeah. hasn't been popped yet. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, oh you know, Apocalypse Now would close up, but then go to would still be open. You know what I mean? So that's like. Yeah, it's right on the corner there of uh, Bui Vien and uh, Detam Street. Mm-hmm. Okay. Opposite Crazy Buffalo. Right. Okay. Yeah. okay. Well, Crazy Buffalo, I remember before, didn't like burn down. Oh, and it's then happened it, like, a couple of times. Yeah, I know. Yeah. So what about in Manila? Do you have a, a street um, that's similar? Do you have so a backpacker scene there? In Manila, the fam would probably be the equivalent of, let's say, Ermita Street in mm. Manila. You've okay. been to Ermita. Yep. yep. And Burgos Street in Makati. Yeah, I've been to yeah. Burgos Street yep. as well. So yep. from our last visit to the Philippines, uh, we actually visited both those places. Yeah. yeah. So they're, you know, red light uh, tourist districts and unfortunately they were full of homeless people so and it's quite distressing and this was before COVID even hit mm. you know we were back in uh, the Philippines 20, oh, 2019 I yeah think 2019 yeah. so it's quite distressing to see you know the police just shoo them away with big lights you know in the evening without any kind of proper plan like where are you going to go where are you going to relocate them and then the next day because we stayed at the hotel in front of manila bay Mm. so you would see the same people there again the next night and then it's just a, a cycle you know police just flashing their lights and then they'd be back again you know so aside from selling veggies On the first of this month, we saw a mass exodus of migrant workers trying to flee Ho Chi Minh Mm. City back to their provinces. And I think this is very practical for the people of Vietnam, the people um, living in Ho Chi Minh uh, City to do. I think it's a good move on the part of the Vietnamese people. So they know things are not going back to normal in the city and they are cutting their losses and making solid plans to survive. But if you look at the same situation in Manila, in Ermita and in Burgos, Unfortunately, again, I have to say this about my countrymen, they're more likely to stay there 
and have this mentality of what we call bahala na, which is, you know, leave it all to God. Bathala is God. So bahala na, bathala na. So, you know, let God take care of me. And it's, I, I just feel that it's, you know, they should be more proactive, you know. So what if you don't live in the city and you go back to your hometown with tail between your legs? At least you're, you know, you're protecting your family and, you, and you're making a living. And I think that's, that's like the same, same, but different situation that I feel about the fam. Now, guys, something caught my eye online this week on one of the mega social media platforms when someone I follow made the statement that Ho Chi Minh City's streets are back full of life. And they posted photos along with it showing the apparent frivolity in the streets after the easing of restrictions recently. The update drew some positive engagement as posts like this invariably do. Um, what do you call it, Andy? Simping? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, however, it also drew some backlash from others because they felt that the streets aren't back to life and the OP, the original poster, isn't even in the country. So with that, I decided this week that we would attempt to debunk or prove some of these, let's call them myths, mm, for want myth of a better busters. word. Yeah. Wow. Andy and Mel, I'm going to prompt you with short statements and I want you to respond to them with your thoughts. Okay, so are you ready? Ready. Yep. Right. Okay, the first one is, the streets of Ho Chi Minh City are full of life. Yeah, actually I saw that and uh, it just shows – it's a little bit of, you know, being out of touch of what's happening right now in Saigon, especially when you're not even in the country. I get mm. it. You know, you, know you, you, you like, yeah, things are opening up, but I wouldn't say it's full of life or I wouldn't say the streets. It's not bad. dead either, it's is it? Dead. It's not <laughs> dead. So, no, but I feel like there's, there's an eagerness uh, within the country, within the people working in those kind of areas to get back, you know, pre fourth wave. But, you know, now like the city just needs to be, back on its feet again rather mm. than being like it's back to life like it's just not that's not correct but also you know it's a bordering between is this propaganda yeah. right are you trying to get investors foreign direct investors excited and obviously that post had an agenda yeah to that poster right. You know, Suckling so, to the power teat. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that, that's that's how I view how that. Would, how would you describe the streets, Mel? Um, look, I wouldn't say it's full of life. It's coming back mm. to life. Okay, so let's move on to the second one. Vietnam to welcome international tourists from November. 2021? Yeah. 2021, <laughs> yeah. Uh, next month. Actually, we're into October already, so oh, in, wow. in about three weeks' time. All Andy. Right. Yeah, I doubt it, man. I mean, we've been talking about this this bubble in, in mm, well, that's right. for so long, uh, and it's yet to be really implemented. And you know, everyone's you know, everyone I'm listening to and reading up about it who are subject matter experts, you know, people like Dr. Nuno Rubero, mm. right, and others who've come in, and you know, they've basically mainly said like, hey. In order for things to open up, it, it's the work of all Southeast Asian nations to try and get as as many people fully vaxxed as possible, you know, as close to 70% or more to even begin thinking about, you know, quote unquote, green lanes yeah. between different countries. Um, and, you know, you're also hearing like hotels and tourist operators, you know, they'll need to adjust. Um, their business practices will need to adjust to be, you know, COVID safe. 
they have to implement various platforms or other things to create touchless experiences. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So when you have that- that's Ooh, robots. Of, yeah, ro oh, like Japan. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> In saying that though, like that's a lot of investment from businesses. You know, will travelers, will travelers have to be passed on that amount towards it? Like the cost of that? Yep. Will they pay for it? You know, how, how about sustainability? Everyone's talking about sustainability. Yep. Um, what is sustainability anyway? Dude, like what's, what's a basic uh, definition? There's of a three point. Well, I think sustainability is, is those kind of left wing, like let's save the world type people all jumping up and down saying, you know, let's, let's all go vegan. Let's all like be appropriate to everyone, mm. um, you know, but uh, I mean, when we go back to, you know, how sustainable tourism want to be, like, you know, you see these tourist operators that like, they talk about sustainability. Like, yeah, I don't even know if they really understand it to, to, oh, yeah. be, to get onto your point. Like, I think they mm. just think, oh, it's about environment. It's like, well, no, it's, it's more than that. Well, there are three main areas of sustainability. So you, Andy, you're right. That's the environment. That's one, but also the economy. So I'm also thinking about this is the economy of the country, but also, you know, the, the company, obviously, the and income. Local, local economies. Yes, yep. and the society. So those are like the three pillars of sustainability. It's more than just being woke. I think that's what you were trying to get at earlier, right? Yeah. yeah. The wokeness of it all, but also... Is it sustainable for all parties, all stakeholders involved? And that should involve the local people and the environment, mm, you know? Yeah. And I, I'm assuming there's got to be a will as well. Mm. You know, people have got to have this will to be sustainable yep. rather than just having these short-term goals to yep. make as much money as they can. Yeah, mm. and if, if your target audience are backpackers, like yeah. they're, not, they're not sustainable, they're not long-term, no. they're, they're short-term and they're price conscious as well. And you got to think about it this day, like the cost of an air ticket will definitely go up if businesses need to be COVID compliant that's going to go up and the prices are just going to be passed on to the, um, to the travel. The taxes the as well. Taxes. Yeah. yeah. So everything, everything goes up and it's like, well, you know, what we would have thought of as an Asian holiday experience is definitely going to change. And it's like, it's up to a, like countries all across Asia to kind of say, well, how do we relook at the traveler in mm. today's market? So that, yes, we can have this tick of sustainability. Yes, we have this tick of mm. whatever, you know, and, um, and that's how I think, you know, that's why it's weird. It's not, it's not the way to go. I really think that, you know, in the last two years that we were in this massive lockdown worldwide, you would assume that tourism or the industries that depend on tourism, the countries that depend on tourism the most, would have been making plans on how to come back. Mm. And by making plans, make it more greener, make it more, you know, three pillars sustainable, mm -hmm. more, not just a reactive thing mm. to, to get the money back, but a really conscientious plan. And again- I can't, well, I can't imagine though that a lot of countries in the region will necessarily be thinking long-term at the moment though, will they? Yeah, it's always They'll be wanting be to grab as quickly yeah. as possible yeah. and then perhaps have a longer um, plan in place. Um, it's a big topic. We could probably devote a whole podcast to yeah, it. Yeah, So sure. let's, let's move on to the next one. Right. Um, Facebook is improving its algorithm to safeguard Vietnam teens' mental health. Oh, wow. So this is right up your alley, Mel. <laughs> yeah. Well, look, um, currently Facebook is under fire once again uh, with a very reliable whistleblower this time by the name of 
Francis uh, Haugen, I think, an ex-employee who was part of its civic integrity team. And she testified in front of the U.S. Senate this week. So I think right now, uh, this is more of a hopeful news headline rather than a strong fact. You know, I, I do hope that things get sorted out with a tech giant stateside so that any implications would immediately be applied worldwide. Look, I have two young nieces, and I'm very, very fearful for them living in this beauty-obsessed world that social media like, yep. you know, and that's Facebook the, and Instagram help propagate. They're in the Philippines, propagate. though, right? Yes. They're in the Philippines. Yep. But the we know that the demographic of uh, Vietnam and the Philippines is quite similar. Mm. Uh, 100 million people, approximately, similar age profiles and uh, similar, or if not more in the Philippines, Mm -hmm. uh, usage of Facebook. Right. It's very popular there. So it must be having an impact Mm. there and it must be having an impact in Vietnam as well. Yeah. Well, it's Um, not just, it's not really Facebook that's like affecting the teen's mental health. It's Instagram. Oh, right. Yes. Because the teens actually think Facebook is for old people. Mm. And Instagram is is what they attach to. Okay. Yeah. But going off topic for two seconds, didn't I? Uh, like, how did you all feel when Facebook and WhatsApp went down for like six hours? I oh was, yeah. I was asleep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it didn't worry me one bit. I did notice something was up because I got the little wheel or whatever when I think I commented on someone's thing in the middle of the night when I woke uh, yeah. up. I checked the mm. time and then happened to see my Facebook. Um, and I I think the comment didn't upload or something and I thought oh something's up something strange went back to sleep and then in the morning people were talking about it um I've spent quite a bit of time thinking about and trying to um implement ways to rely less on Facebook Mm. and Instagram moving into the future Mm. we're in a very difficult space we're in a we're in a country that adores Facebook yep really the you know shops are have a Facebook page. Marketplace, yeah. ordering through yeah. Facebook, yeah. Yeah, everyone communicates through it. Instagram is is popular as well. But for someone like me, I'm trying to move away from it. So actually, when I heard about it, I thought, bring it on. Yeah. I'm, I'm fine <laughs> with it because I've maintained my website. Yep. And uh, SEO is king. <laughs> I'd be more disappointed if Google went down because I've invested so much time and money into my website. Yeah. You know, so... And on Facebook, you if you don't pay, you can't play. Right. And that's that's really, you know, the the issue here is that Facebook is is not doing as much as it can mm-hmm. with uh, this specific headline improving its algorithm to safeguard teens' mental health among other things like um hate groups and all those things because if they change their algorithm, it's going to affect their business model. Yep. Yeah. So just in case anyone's wondering what steps I've taken to rely less on Facebook, I've set up a Discord community and you can access that uh, on Facebook, ironically, <laughs> <laughs> through Facebook. Um, and as I grow the YouTube channel, I, I'm um, putting the link in, in our YouTube videos as well. So you can access it that way as well. And you got an email, like a newsletter, don't you? I have a newsletter. Yeah, yeah I use MailChimp for that. Yep. So, but I don't do that as often as I should. Yeah, I'll get onto that. <laughs> uh, but the, the upside with Discord is that it's not algorithm-based. There are no ads. So uh, 
and you can build a community like you can in Facebook groups and stuff like that. So uh, please go to that as I try to move away from things like Facebook. Okay, so that was another topic that we could probably devote a whole podcast to. The final topic in this segment is the mustache is back. Andy, well, is your mustache it, back? <laughs> it's getting there. I just gotta. I, I just need a a few months head start you know, <laughs> before it comes. Before back. you know, before I can try and get anywhere near you know what normal people would get. But you might be able to put some eyeliner. On it. <laughs> just just keep adding a little bit here and there. Yeah, just you know, just you're like actually it. very lucky. Like that you haven't got any facial hair. You're very <laughs> lucky. Yeah. I, I. It's funny because the only time I need to change my razor blade is mm. during uh, Movember because uh, anywhere else, I mean, anyone who's worked in an Australian company before is like during Movember. Oh, yeah. You know, they'll have all those like cheap, like nice razor blades, but like at two bucks or something like super, super cheap, which normally would cost like 10 times the amount. And you're like, yes, <laughs> throw in my two bucks, <laughs> get my new razor blade. I'm done. I'm, I'm set for the That's next year. That's your Christmas. Year. Yeah. yeah, I'm set yeah. for the next year, man. Like happy Father's Day to me. You know? Yeah, Matt, you're all, you're a big fan of Movember. Uh, Matt's been trying to get a Movember movement going for as long as I can remember, and uh, he's always had this little tash of his uh, during this time. Yeah, it's October, my little way. November. My, my little way yeah. to support men's health. I actually contacted the organisers of Movember, the guys who actually originally started in it in Australia wow. last year or the year before. Are they based mm. in Melbourne? Yeah, they're yeah. in Melbourne. Mm. And um, all they did was direct me to their Facebook page and website. So I thought, <laughs> oh, okay, whatever. No. Maybe, <laughs> maybe you guys, you should do it. Maybe in the future yeah. um, I'll start something maybe next year. I'll give Andy time to grow his mo. So yeah. another, another 12 Next months. year, yeah, 2022. Yeah, yeah. yeah um, look, the moustache is always there and you can always revisit it every November, Matt, but um, – the other months, uh, please shave it. <laughs> <laughs> well, you guys know better than anyone that I love a good poll. Like a poll I mean dance. a survey. Uh, this past <laughs> week on the Bureau Asia social pages at the Bureau Asia, I created a poll with the following statement. The Vietnamese stereotype that's the most mm. inaccurate is... And I provided a few options for people to vote for, but I also gave followers the opportunity to add options themselves. It's fun. So let's take a look at the results and I'll get you guys to jump in with your comments. The stereotype that attracted the most votes was added by a big fan of our show, Dan King's, as it happens. Hi, Dan. And it was that Vietnam is still some kind of war-torn, apocalypse-now-style jungle hellhole. (laughs) (laughs) Those were his exact words? Yes. (laughs) Oh, wow. That's interesting. So do we, like, agree or disagree? Yeah, what's a... Well, he he said that that is the most inaccurate Uh, inaccurate. description of what Vietnam is now. He's saying that people still think that Vietnam is some kind of war-torn jungle hellhole that the war is is 
top of mind oh, of yeah. people. Oh, yeah, that's incorrect. If you go oh, to the States yeah. or wherever, England or Australia, and say, oh, Vietnam, they go, the war. You yeah. know? Maybe if you're talking to like an old uncle who escaped Vietnam and mm. is working like somewhere in Inala or, uh, <laughs> or Cabramatta, maybe, yeah. because mm. that triggers them. Okay. Yeah. But I think today's world, like, no, nah, I mean. The young kids. Young kids, no, nah, we jump on a Jetstar flight when it's yeah. cheap and head over to. And they'd the probably city. say Bun Me, wouldn't they? Yeah, Bun Me. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Well, Andy, uh, while we're in the, on this subject, um, like at the first part, I was wondering, as a relatively new transplant here in Vietnam, mm-hmm. what were the stereotypes about your own culture that you saw for yourself dispelled or confirmed when you arrived? Oh. Is that one of them? No, that wasn't that wasn't for me. Um, ah. No, I I never really thought of any kind of inaccurate issues or anything like that or any inaccurate stereotypes. Um, maybe, actually, no. Maybe one stereotype that I feel like is quite true is that uh, like Asians in general. So I'm not saying Vietnamese people, even Chinese people, we we tend to keep stuff forever. Um, and that's something that like, you see the bikes here, they're like oh, 20, hoarders. hoarders. Yeah. yeah, they're like 20, 30 years old and they still run. You're like, whoa, like, don't you want to get a new one or something, you know? Mm-hmm. So hey, maybe that's You're describing it. me. <laughs> I've, I've got two motorbikes that are just wrecked. Uh, actually, that is true. My mom has like a trinket cabinet, mm. like all the, where she traveled all over the world. And she has like these little collections, like, how do you say knickknacks? Yeah, it's still there. Yeah. And the grandkids are not allowed to open it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> my, my father has that as well. I think you can still see it on Google Maps or something. Like you can beam down to, to my place and you can see like, <laughs> hey, did, did my father just get that? And then I'm calling my brother. I'm, hey, did he get that? He goes, yeah, that was like, how do you know? It's like, because it's on Google Maps. And I can see it. <laughs> did, that, did that little insight come out on the poll? keeping things no, ah, no what no. were the other things okay so the next two attracted the same number of votes and that is that vietnamese men are lazy and Ooh. all vietnamese are of chinese descent oi so yeah, what do you came from china yeah that's true everyone came from china no i'm from the malay race i'm filipino yeah but we're all one under the sun and true. china just happens see what to i mean this uh, really <laughs> this is problems. Oh, wow. so do i come from china i'm starting to wonder now <laughs> no didn't you come from scotland or something uh, well yeah one side of my family yeah mm. yeah but, so, but according to andy they came from china yeah. <laughs> oh no how about the but, Vietnamese men are lazy? But these are, yeah, these are these stereotypes. And uh, what do you guys think? Do you think Vietnamese men are lazy? No, but the vote said that it's not true, right? Yeah, they said it's one of the inaccurate oh, stereotypes okay. mm. about Vietnamese. And uh, um, yeah. Look, for the Vietnamese men are lazy part, I think I would like to base my opinion on what I see day to day. So A white man being lazy. <laughs> <laughs> Oh dear. <laughs> <laughs> so Mel's actually reporting that Vietnamese men are very vigorous and uh, work hard. <laughs> no, what I, what I meant to say is that, okay, so when I go outside and I look at the, uh, the drivers, most of the grab drivers, motorbike drivers are men, right? Right. And even before the Grab uh, drivers came along, there was this blue 
uh, uniformed men, the Sayom drivers. Right. You know, they were wearing these blue shirts with a red uh, band on their arm. So they were the Sayom drivers. But they would just like, that kind of job has a lot of waiting around. Yep. Okay, so it's not very active, mm. you know. Uh, but the women push trolleys of food, yep. uh, go around with like a stick on their shoulders oh, yeah. with two baskets on yep. the side. And that's a very active kind of work and visually. It's, it's very I can visible. See, it's very it, visible. The streets, yeah. So just on that condition of what I see visually, I would have to agree. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that yep. it's like two against one. Feel free to jump in, guys. <laughs> um, I'll, I'll be a little bit scared to walk outside if I say they're lazy. But... Um, Vietnamese men are lazy. I don't. Th- I think you hit right on the button there when you when you said these things are very visible. Yeah. So let's say you're visiting Ho Chi Minh City for the day, and you walk outside your hotel, and of course you're gonna see a Seom straight out out the door but across waiting. the street. Right. And if it happens to be between lunchtime and, two and o'clock. three o'clock oh, yeah. or whatever, <laughs> no chance. you know, yeah. the uh, siesta time, yeah. he's going to be lying on his back on the stretched out all over his motorcycle, isn't he? And it, yeah. How, it's not how a do good they look. do that? Well, they're small for a start. Yeah, yeah sense of balance. <laughs> wow, amazing. Um, yeah, it's a great look. It's okay. a great look. And then, of course, you know, you would look away from the, the guy lying on the motorbike and then, as Mel said, there would be a woman Carrying a food cart. Or carrying baskets or, on our shoulders. With yep. the, the chairs that they've got from the day's trade, you know, they're moving them back to the space wherever they keep them and stuff like that. So it's very easy to see that, yeah, this this stereotype is prominent. Yep. Um, but, you know, you see a lot of uh, hardworking Vietnamese men mm. around. So mm. uh, it, it would be similar to saying all Aussie men are lazy. <laughs> Next. No comment. Okay, let's move on. <laughs> and finally, there was another dead heat between the next two. Ooh. Vietnamese women want to be married by the time they're 25 years old. And the main reason Vietnamese want to marry foreigners is for a visa. Ooh, the yeah. second one I think is reverse. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> like no, right now. This year, yeah. yeah. Do you remember that photo on social media going around yes. with the graffiti? Yes. And it was like, will you marry me for oh. a visa? <laughs> Those memes were Sponsorship. Yeah. So I think the second one, the main reason Vietnamese want to marry foreigners is for a visa. I think it's the other way around. The foreigners <laughs> want to marry a Vietnamese lady for a visa yep. to stay here. And what about the um, Vietnamese women want to be married by the time they're 25 years old these days? Is that still a thing? I don't think so. Oh, I, you would know, yeah, would actually. Know. <laughs> uh, our resident, uh, well, I don't know what we call him. How can uh, I be a resident, like, single person? <laughs> our resident uh, um, Don Juan. <laughs> 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 no, the, the most eligible bachelor yes. in Ho Chi Minh City. On this City. podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, anyway, uh, Andy, what do you think? I don't think so. Yep. I, th- I, think, um, I think these days a lot of women, uh, young women, 25 and above, are looking to grow their career. I think Vietnam in itself, like they're in this precipice where – I'm using a lot of peas as well. Um, <laughs> they're in this stage where – 
they are, you know, the middle income kind of bracket is starting right. to grow. And mm. so they're earning more than they're used to. You know, their parents have put them through hard work to get this education. So now, like, they're starting to build upon that and build wealth for themselves. Um, so you, you, you still see variants of it. Like, it is true um, sometimes when you date, um, you know, a, a woman, a Vietnamese girl sometimes, and yeah. they want – they, it's not that they want to get married, but they just want commitment. I think everyone likes that. Right. Everyone wants that at some point. Um, but to be married at 25, I just don't think that's, mm. that's is, really accurate. Is that changing relate, uh, Vietnamese relationships? So how do the men, how are the men reacting um, to women wanting to further their career before settling down? Is that an issue? It depends. It really depends. I think if it's a Vietnamese guy who was heavily influenced by their parents. Traditionalists. Traditional, super, super traditionalists. Then yeah, they'll have this kind of like, I'm a guy, you're a girl, you should stay here. I'm going to do Have babies now. All that kind of stuff. Mm. I think if you talk to a modern Vietnamese guy, um, they're going to be very, they have a different mindset. Like they they get exposed so much to American culture um, for good and bad reasons. Like I think think the, the... um, the situation or the freedoms that you kind of get like living in America or living in a first world kind of mm-hmm. country is great. But at the same time, it it's not necessarily the best one. If you look at it statistically, when you look at like relationships, because you see so many divorces that are happening yeah. um, in America, in Australia. There's it, a lot here too. Yeah, yeah, I was here as well. astounded yeah, when too. I first came here and found out there were so many divorces. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's incredible. It's, 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 it's the growing... Uh, trend that you're seeing right now, like with freedom, right? So as the generations go by, right. um, there's going to be more and more people, like men and women, going, "Well, hey, we don't yeah. have to. I don't have to get married to you. Why, why did I get married to you first? And a lot of people fell into that trap of getting married at 25, right? And then they're mm. 28, 30, and they yeah. realize, oh crap, you actually, you know, person. even before the pandemic hit, I actually noticed there were lesser um, prenuptial photo shoots than before when I first arrived. Right. So I think that's, again, another visual indicator that, hey, the trend is disappearing. I mean, and actually, ooh, ooh, wait, there were a couple of like, you know, pre-wedding pictorials that we saw that were like older looking couples. Mm. Remember uh, that park near the Notre Dame Cathedral? So it's not just young couples. It's, you know, the, and it's not maybe just their first marriage. It might be a second marriage yep. and stuff like mm. that. Well, another stereotype dispelled. Ooh la la. Yeah, that's right. Yep. Well, I can't believe that it's already over for another show. Let's hope that things continue to open up in the coming weeks so we can bring you even more interesting content from the city we all know and love. Mel and Andy, thanks again. Andy, it was great to have you here in person at Bureau HQ. HQ. AKA our living room. (laughs) Uh, If you'd like to follow Andy on Instagram and Facebook, do so at Andrew Tran Digital. And don't forget to check out his super useful marketing course for small to medium businesses on his website at andrewtran.asia. And don't forget Mel. Follow her on, how could you? Follow her on Instagram at Melanie Kasul. Engage with her and she'll respond. She doesn't bite. (laughs) And as always, thank 
you, our loyal followers and supporters for listening in. Don't forget you always have our ear. Let us know if there's anything you'd like us to discuss or find out for you related to Ho Chi Minh City and Vietnam, and we'll do our best to bring it up in our upcoming podcasts. You can get in touch via all the Bureau Asia channels, including our website, thebureauasia.com, and on social media. Where at, guys? At the Bureau Asia. 